us through the Word of God today on the subject of becoming an influencer. Becoming an influencer. Would you stand with me as we read the Word of God together? Our text today is out of Acts chapter 4. And verse 1 says, The priests and the captains of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed. Say greatly disturbed. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas and John and Alexander and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them to question them. Here's the question, friends. By whom... By whose power or what name did you do this? By whose power or what name did you do this? Remember that question. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel... It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone the builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name, say no other name, there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which... We must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Father, I pray that you'd open your word to our minds and hearts today that we might follow you and become influencers in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Influencer. What is an influencer? This is a word that we've been hearing a lot lately in relation to social media, the word influencer. That word is used in social media posts, in podcasts, and I've heard it on TV news broadcasts. So I asked myself, what is an influencer and how does a person become one? And so like any self-respecting researcher these days, I Googled it. <laughs> and here's what I found. An influencer is someone who has the power to affect the decisions of others because of their authority, knowledge, position, or relationship with their audience. They have a following in a distinct niche with whom they actively engage. They vary in the size of their audience 
and their number of followers. There are several categories of influencers in social media, folks. Mega influencers. Mega influencers are the people with a vast number of followers in their social media networks. Although there are no fixed rules on the boundaries between the different types of followers, a common view is that, listen to this, a mega influencer has more than one million followers on at least one social media platform. At least one million followers. A mega influencer. There is a macro influencer. A macro influencers are one step down from the mega influencers and may be a little bit more accessible as influencer marketers. You could consider these people with followers in the range of between 40,000 and 1 million followers on social media. They're considered to be macro influencers. Then there are nano influencers. Nano influencers, the newest type of influencer to gain recognition is the nano influencer. These people only have a small number of followers but they tend to be experts in an obscure or highly specialized field. You can think of nano-influencers as being the proverbial big fish in a small pond. In many cases, they have fewer than a thousand followers, but they will be keen and interested followers, dedicated followers that follow these influencers on their particular subject matter, and they're willing to engage with the nano-influencer and listen to their opinions. So from the mega-influencer at a million-plus down to the nano-influencer who interacts more personally with their followers. The following and the opinions of influencers have a wide-ranging effect, friends, on subjects such as buying habits, marketing, lifestyle, politics, religion, just about anything. With the millions and millions of users on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all the other itters in our world, there is significant influence that is wielded in today's society by these influencers. They have influence. Here's the story, an amazing story of one young influencer. Zach King was born on February 4th, 1990. I was already old in 1990. Just had a birthday. He's now 33. And, and in an inter, he is an internet personality and filmmaker and illusionist based in Los Angeles. He is most known for his little Magic Vine videos, which are second, 60 second video, I'm sorry, six second videos digitally edited to look like he's doing some kind of magic or sleight of hand. He calls his videos digital sleight of hand. He began posting videos on YouTube in 2008. In 2013, he started posting on the platform called Vine. King posted his first video on TikTok in 16, and he has since accumulated 45 million viewers and followers to his social media flat platform. 45 million, making him the third most followed individual in social media. A little young guy making six second videos. 
It is truly amazing the widespread following that these people have. I asked my son Jeff about the term influencer. He is the most tech-savvy of our offspring. <laughs> Jeff made an interesting comment. He said the level of the following and popularity of these influencers is often unearned or unmerited. Think for just a moment about the pure definition of influence. Somebody say influence. influence. Webster defines influence as the power or capacity of causing an effect in indirect or intangible ways. You with me? Influence, listen, influence is information that has ramifications. Influence is information that has ramifications and brings results. Spiritual or biblical influence is information that brings transformation. Say that with me. Information that brings transformation. I want us to consider today who we are influencing. And I want to consider what the influence looks like and, and how we, in my son's words, earn the capacity to influence others. The scripture text that we read from Acts 4 is preceded by Acts 3. See, I'm a theologian. <laughs> Acts 4 is preceded by Acts 3. And Acts 3 is the iconic story of the healing of the lame man under the ministry of Peter and John. You will recall that they were headed to the temple for the daily 3 p.m. prayer time. I would take note that they habitually went to prayer meeting. Peter and John went to prayer meeting, brother dude. As they approached the temple, they came upon a man who was lame or paralyzed from birth. He had never been able to walk. This man has, had his spot on the path by the gate called Beautiful. The Bible teaches that when the man saw Peter and John, he asked them for money. I wonder how many hundreds or thousands of people that beggar had asked for money over the years as they come to prayer meeting. But he never received a response like this one. The infamous reply that Peter gave him, and there was a wonderful song that a singer named Johnny Hall used to sing, is this, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to you. There's plenty of preaching right here for this sermon and several more, but we shall save that for another day. We find that the lame man was suddenly healed. And it says that he went with Peter and John into the temple courts. Remember what he was doing? He was walking and he was leaping and he was praising God. Walking and leaping and, and praising God. What a sight it must have been. Especially for those who had seen this poor man lying there 
unable to walk for years. What was that guy thinking that had passed him a buck every now and then as he walked by and suddenly he sees him walking and leaping and, and giving praise to God in the temple courts. This poor man that they've seen lying by the roadside all these years. Acts 3.10 says they recognized him. They recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Friends, listen. When remarkable things happen to people, it draws a crowd. Huh? You see, when, when God does something amazing... The result spreads further and wider than just that one person directly affected. You following me? It, it, it spread like wildfire. While the, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and, and came running to them to the place called Solomon's Colonnade. It was, the, it was the narthex for prayer meeting. What is happening here? Listen, Peter is being set up. He is being staged to preach. He is being positioned as an influencer. Peter is about to take his place as an influencer. What follows in the rest of chapter 3 is a speech or a sermon that Peter preaches about the power of the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus. It is clear and concise message that Jesus is the one that Israel has been waiting for and that people need to repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Friends, that is a message that has influence. It has effect. What's, what's the message? We've been waiting for him. He has come. And he is having influence and effect on the lives of people. We find out in chapter 4 then that many believed and the number of those who believed were about 5,000. Peter and John were influencers. Our text in Acts 4 brings us to some truth about influence and influencers. Now I want you to think about that just for a moment. Just like that young man we described rapidly became an influencer in social media all over the world. All of a sudden Peter and John, there they were on display, weren't they? The people, would, the, the people were wondering, what is, what is with these guys? It said they came running. They came running. Now they just do this. Huh? Now they, now they just do this, but... Look at that. Trying to, trying to be an influencer. Thank you. So... Point number one. Point number one this morning. The scandal of the gospel message. The scandal of the gospel message. We see that the religious leaders of the day were greatly disturbed. Somebody say greatly disturbed. They were greatly disturbed by what Peter and John were teaching. 
they were especially concerned about it because of the level of influence that the messengers and the message was beginning to have. In the blink of an eye, the social media following of Peter and John had grown into the thousands. That was a disconcerting development for the Sadducees. The religious rulers of the day had pretty much had it their way for many years. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the priests had reached a dominant place in the Jewish community. And under Roman government rule, they were pretty much allowed to do their thing. So, when a new message emerged via these Christians, especially with the dramatic events such as we have read about today, they became very nervous, didn't they? Much like those who arrested and killed Jesus. The gospel is scandalous. It takes human logic and turns it upside down. It isn't logical that the God of truth and justice would also be the God of love and grace. I said, it isn't logical that the God of truth and justice would also be the God of love and grace. By grace, God loves all, forgives all, and accepts all with no conditions, no strings attached, no fine print, no qualifications, no limitations, no ongoing requirements, the God of grace. You see, the grace of God is outlandish, and it's foreign to every human way of thinking and living. I believe it is absolutely impossible for any human being to place too much emphasis on God's grace. God's grace through the death of Christ is scandalous. So what is scandalous grace? Grace is often defined as God's unmerited favor or in everyday terminology, God giving us something good that we do not deserve. Amen. Amen. Grace is different from mercy, which God also is into. It's different than, 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 than mercy. Mercy, which w- would be defined as God not giving us something that we do deserve, huh? Yes, yes. There was a song written a few years back uh, called Beautiful Scandalous Night. And, and the pastor of the church where I was serving in music at the time, he, uh, he shared that song with me, brought it to my attention, and he thought it was maybe a song that we ought to do in, in worship. I wasn't excited about a song that had the word scandalous in it. <laughs> to tell you the truth, it turned out to be a song filled with beautiful truth. Listen, to them it was scandalous. So the priests had the temple guard apprehend our two influencers. Brought them in for questioning. After a night in prison, here was the question they asked them. By what power or by what name did you do this? I can hear Peter's thought process. Okay, you asked for it. (laughs) You know what I mean? They asked that question, Peter goes, well, okay. (laughs) By what authority or by what name do you do these things, they asked. 
Which brings me to point two. And that is the truth of godly influence. The truth of godly influence. Peter was here again positioned to preach the message of the gospel truth. It is an opportunity to influence this unique, although hostile, audience. Now remember, Peter and John are no longer in front of the massive crowd of, of fans and followers. They're now in front of their accusers. They're now in front of their questioners. They're now in front of the religious authorities of the day. Verse 8 says that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's stop a second. Without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we cannot accomplish anything for the cause of Christ. Peter was not a trained speaker, yet he preached some of the most clear-cut and dramatic gospel messages that we have recorded in Scripture. Want to have a good time someday? Read the sermons of Peter. Peter tended not to mince words. He preached a straightforward, truth-filled gospel message. You remember what the word gospel means? It means good news. The speech or sermon just takes up a couple of verses here. Verses 8 through 12 that he, in his, uh, in his expository sermon to these religious experts, it is summarized by four quick points of truth. Remember the question? By what authority? By what authority or by what name do you do these things? Number one, the authority and power is in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Number two, you crucified him. <laughs> How about that? Peter's standing in front of the tribunal and they're dressed in their finery and they're, and they're religious and they're, and they're always right. And Peter looks at him and said, you crucified him. But God raised him. You crucified him. But God raised him from the dead. Peter quotes the Old Testament psalm here. From Psalm 118, he says, The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Psalm 118. Who does Peter say that this is? This is Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, Yeshua. He is the stone the builders have rejected and he has become the cornerstone. I like nothing more than being able to see Jesus in Old Testament scripture. Nothing more. I have, through the years, taught a series on the symbolism of the tabernacle in the wilderness. We may do a deep dive together there someday. You want to see Jesus hundreds of years before he came? The tabernacle will show it to you in such unbelievable clarity that you'll go, duh. <laughs> you know, you know. You'll go, obviously. Huh? Obviously it was him. Peter said, you crucified him. God raised him. The scripture that you all as, as religious scribes and Pharisees learned, it says the, the stone that the builders rejected will become the cornerstone. Here he is. 
Wow. And then he says this. Salvation is only through Jesus. There's no other name by which we can be saved. Somebody say no other name. There is one way, friend. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except but by me. Listen. God does great and dramatic things so that his message of love and salvation can reach the lost. Have you thought about that? They are these miracles, these amazing things that were done in his ministry, not done for some show of arrogant power. And, and, and you could say that they are not done solely for the benefit of the one directly affected. Like our lame man who's walking and leaping and praising. That wasn't just for him. The, the, the great and mighty miracles were and are done so that God might receive glory and honor and his love gospel, his good news, might spread to all the earth. And it is spread to all the earth so that it might influence the masses. Remember, Godly truth is information that brings transformation. Preaching the truth of the gospel always has legitimate merit. Preaching the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is always and always will be a necessary and relevant message. Some would say, I don't need to hear that same old gospel message time after time. Well, friends... Grace and forgiveness is needed every day. And it is fresh and it is new every day. It's new every morning. The communion life with Christ that we talk about is made even more sweet wrapped up in the love that Jesus has for us. Can I say that again? The church that Ron and I have been part of for the last couple of years We've been spending a lot of time thinking about communion life. I don't mean bread and grape juice spilled on the carpet. <laughs> Sorry, I digress. I mean, I mean life of closeness with Jesus. I, I mean, I mean daily sense of His presence in your life. I'm, I'm, I mean, waking up and can't wait to find out what he's going to do today. Amen. Amen. I mean, walking through deep, dark times and knowing he's with you. Amen. Amen. Wow. Which brings us to point three, the source of godly influence. The source of godly influence. The very last words of verse 13 can be easily glossed over. You know what I mean by flyover country in scripture? <laughs> you just kind of, you kind of gloss over that. Let's get to the good part. Let's get to the juicy part. Yeah. Just, just kind of fly over it. But boy, sometimes you pay a little attention. Look at this. Verse 13 of Acts 4. When they saw the courage 
of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. And listen to this, listen to this. They took note that they had been with Jesus. Huh? What, what did the Pharisees and Sadducees and rulers and big shots, the muckety-mucks, as my buddy would call them, what, what, did, what did they observe about Peter and John? They observed that they had been with Jesus. Hello. Let's absorb that for a moment. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. Peter and John were among the disciples, now called the apostles. Indeed, they had been with Jesus. From, from the moment that Jesus said to them, come follow me and I will what? I will, I will make you fishers of men. They, they, they walked with him. They, they sat under his teaching. They, they witnessed his life and his ministry. They, they, they saw his love and compassion right before their very eyes. They, they sat with him at the Passover meal, the Last Supper. They were with him as he was arrested. They witnessed his cruel, unjust death. And finally, they were eyewitnesses of the risen Lord Jesus. John 21 records Jesus shouting to them from the shore to their boat. Do you remember? Have you caught any fish? Try casting the net on the right side of the net or the boat. The Bible teaches it was then that Peter recognized what? That it was the Lord. It was the risen Lord. He'd seen him die. It's the risen Lord. They were there in the room when the mighty wind and the fire fell as the Holy Spirit sent from Christ entered their lives. They were in the room. And indeed, they had been with Jesus, hadn't they? They had been with Jesus and it was noticeable. Hmm? See, the gospel is Biblical information that has its effect in transformation. If you have been with Jesus, listen, if you have been with Jesus, if you have relationship with Jesus, if you live a communion life with Jesus, there will be transformation. You can't help it. You see, every aspect of life will be so rocked that those that you encounter will take note that you have been with Jesus. If you're walking with him, if you're praying to him, if you're reading about him, if you're, if you're fellowshipping with other believers, guess what? Those around you are going to notice that you have been with Jesus. Amen. You can't help it. You are transformed. Say transformed. You see, loving your neighbor doesn't become an option anymore. You're, you're transformed. Sharing love and truth compassionately, noticing those who are struggling isn't a challenge anymore. It's not out of your comfort zone anymore. You have been with Jesus and you have been transformed. 
You've been with Jesus, you've been transformed, and you are being transformed. So have you been with Jesus, friend? What does communion life look like for you? In what ways, daily, or moment by moment, are you with Jesus? Do other people, do other people take note that you have been with Jesus? A couple of quick points in conclusion. Being with Jesus brings power. Peter and John were asked, by what name or by what authority or power do you do these things? Their answer, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. The same Jesus that had influenced the lives of Peter and John was now being lived out as the love of Christ was being shared with the world. Also, being with Jesus brings opportunity, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Even in, even in the mundane practice of going to prayer meeting at 3 o'clock, which Peter and John were habitually doing, it says, Peter and John were given opportunity that day to compassionately reach out and heal a man lame from birth. And, and, and because of that miraculous event, many people who witnessed it were drawn to them and to their message, the message of salvation in Christ. Because Peter and John had been with Jesus and now were being presented with huge opportunities to share and minister to his love. Why? Because they had been with Jesus. And also... Being with Jesus brings responsibility. Amen. It is said that it, it, it is said that being when you are around someone a lot, it kind of rubs off. Y'all husbands and wives. I'm much sweeter because I'm with her. You start to take on some of the traits of that person or companion or your dog. We have a beautiful long-haired dachshund named Cora. She rubs off on me in more ways than one. I think, listen, I think when you are with Jesus, he doesn't rub off on you. I think he sinks in. Deep within. Jesus is the influencer of the inner man. And, and, and when you've been with Jesus, you can't help but live a life from inside out that makes you, yes indeed, an influencer Amen. to those around you, to those in your, in your little following. Maybe you're not a mega. Maybe you're not a, a nano. But... You're an influencer because you're around people. Amen. And you've been with Jesus. Yes. So how many followers do you have? Influence is information that has effect. 
You have the opportunity to speak love and truth into those that God has placed within your reach. May we all, because we have been with Jesus, become mega influencers. Amen. 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 Amen.